Hello, everybody. Welcome back to March is a Start. This is Easton Harnick. It is Wednesday, January 25th today. Big time college basketball stuff coming up soon. We are exactly 46 days away from Selection Sunday. It's getting soon. It's getting close. Conference season is about halfway through. It's been ramped up for a while now. Conference season always goes really quick. The, the non-conference goes slow just because you get so many bad matchups with big teams. But conference season, you just get to see good teams night in and night out. Uh, college basketball has been absolutely insane this year. There's no reason behind anything it doesn't seem like. There's really no clear number one, number two team. I mean, you can say like Purdue, Alabama, you want, I guess. But like, it's there's some fluctuation to be said. Purdue's number one right now. I think it's just because they have one loss. We'll get into that a little bit. Today is going to be a lot about apologizing. I got to say some stuff I was wrong, and I'll point out what I'm right on, too. I'm always quick to do that, but I, I got to say, I got to take back, take a step back and take a look about, like, wow, I was I was dead wrong about some stuff, and we'll go through that today. Just to start off the day, like we do every single time, we'll go, ba go back and go through some... Uh, Big college basketball news. Really, there's not like a crazy amount to go through. This is we finally didn't have a a week where uh, we had a bunch of bad stuff to talk about, which is always good. Um, that seems to be the theme in college basketball this year. Is we always kind of have some trouble to talk about, or someone's doing something wrong, or someone got themselves into some trouble. We don't have that this week. It's a nice change for once, because usually that is usually that's exactly what we're talking about. We're not today. We're gonna talk about good stuff. Okay. First off, uh, in a little bit of recruiting news, uh, I'm sure everybody's heard about it. He's not exactly a five-star. I, I believe he's a four-star, ranked number 23rd across most websites. Bronny James, uh, he is headed to the McDonald's All-American game. He has also cut his college list down to three teams, those three teams being Ohio State, USC, and Oregon. Um, I would be shocked to see him go to USC. I think that's just in there for the fact that his dad plays in LA, obviously, and so there's a chance he goes there. That's... That's the least likely scenario, I think, is that Brownie ends up at USC. Um, the most likely scenario, I think, is that he ends up at Ohio State and, you know, he's wearing the uh, King James branded jerseys and, you know, doing it right for the home state like his dad did and following in those type of footsteps. Um, and then I think the second most likely is he goes to Oregon and that there's some sort of deal there with, you know, the the Oregon uh, AD and the... Um, CEO of Nike are very, very close, and I think that there's maybe some money involved there for LeBron if his son goes to Oregon. Um, so that's why the only other reason I think there's a chance he goes to Oregon is it's just a money thing, which Bronny James' NIL deals at Oregon and Ohio State would both be insane. I do think that the least of the NIL deals would come from USC, which is another reason I, I just don't think he'd go there. Um, Nike sponsorships will be off the wall at either Ohio State or Oregon. Not sure when he's going to make that announcement. He is the only McDonald's All-American that has not committed um, anywhere yet. So we'll see how that, see how that goes. Um, in other news, last night, we are we usually record on Tuesdays. It's Wednesday today. Had some stuff going on. School starting back up, all that. But big thing to talk about, Imani Bates um, finally kind of showing his potential. He's really the only, only half-decent player on that Eastern Michigan team. They're abysmal. Uh, they started out the game last night with, Four of their starters combining for seven points. And then Amani Bates scored the next 29 to end the first half. 
He scored 29 straight points for this team. He's, he scored 43 in total last night, shot nine for 14 from three, which is obviously a great number. Um, Eastern Michigan still lost. Don't worry. They suck. They're, they're not very good. So they still lost. Um, but Amani Bates proving he's one of the top players um, in the nation should be a lottery pick, all this stuff. I mean, obviously there's a lot to go through with some of the off the court activity that has been a question mark for him and will continue to be a question mark for him. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, there's, there's obviously some issues there and I think that'll all get worked out. It'll be fine. But I mean, scoring 43 in a college game, obviously something that, that you're not going to see every single night. Um, I believe highest scoring performance of the year by any player division one college basketball. So he put on an absolute show. He's going to continue to do that. Uh, and yeah, he'll be a lottery pick this year. Moving off a little bit of the news stuff. Like I said, not too much going on in the news. Nobody's getting in trouble. It's, it's a good week. Usually we got, you know, people killing someone or someone committing domestic abuse or something that's going haywire. We, we don't have that this week. It's, it's, it's very good. Um, happy to not have to go talk about that stuff this week. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about a little bit before we need to get where I was right, where I was wrong. Um, the big 12 is really good. The big 12 is really, really, really good. Anybody can win any night. Um, it's crazy to say that like Oklahoma might be the worst team in that league because Oklahoma is a very good basketball team. And I know they got blown out by TCU last night. Um, but they're, they're, they're legit. Um, you know, West Virginia was once thought of as like a legitimate player. They were, they were ranked like a month ago in the top 25 and now they've got one conference win. So that's hurt them a lot. Texas tech played really well in Maui and they haven't won a conference game. I mean, every single night you go top to bottom, there's teams that can win. Anybody can win in this league on any given night. Um, if you, if you look at it, there is six teams in the big 12 currently ranked inside the top 17, three ranked inside the top 10. I mean, it's absurd. And, and, and Kansas after, after this week's probably going to be fall outside the top 10. They just lost to Baylor again. Um, they're on a little bit of a skid here, lost three in a row, but I mean, obviously still a high contender, one, one of the best teams in the nation. They just, I mean, they need to figure some stuff out. I've said going to maybe a little bit of what I was right. I've said since the beginning of the year, they need a post presence defensively like Yudoka Azabuki, like Joel Embiid, like David McCormick. They need a guy like that, like they've had in the past, to be like a powerful post presence. And then uh, their guard play is obviously very good. When you talk about like Grady Dick, Dewan Harris, I mean those guys are those guys are insane. Um, and they're they're going to be enough to get done for for you most of the night. And then you add on like Jalen Wilson's production in there, and um, yeah, I mean you're not going to have like a lot of a lot of problems when you're talking about the back, uh, yeah, the backcourt of of. Kansas, but they just don't have that big guy. Um, it's been something that's hurt them all year long. It's going to continue to hurt them until, until someone can step up and be like that post defending presence against them. And I think teams in the big 12 are just finally trying to, or finally starting to, to realize like the shortcomings that they have, um, on the inside defensively. And that's where it's really hurting them. They're getting out rebounded in all three games that they've lost in a row. Um, before this three games, skid they had one loss and then you know they lost to Kansas State and everybody was like okay well Kansas State's really good plus they were really hyped up for that game it was at Kansas State like whatever we'll look past that um and then they get blown out at home which is that's 
that's not something that that case uh, Kansas does at Fog Fog Allen. They don't they don't lose at Allen Fieldhouse. Um, much less get blown out there. Uh, uh, just absolutely shocking shocking performance to to watch them get blown out. And like like I said, I mean there there's a lot of good teams in the Big Twelve, so you can't be surprised when like someone drops one that they maybe shouldn't. And again, TCU is a very good team. Now are they twenty three points better on the road? Better than Kansas? Uh, no, they're not that much better than Kansas. But that's how they played that night. They're beginning to be a little shaky. Uh, obviously, Bill Self, one of the best coaches in the country. If you don't take him and you're like your top three coaches that you want, you're insane. So there's not a problem there. He'll get them figured out. And, you know, they're probably going to be around, like, I would say, like 12, 13 next week in the rankings. Um, unless they would drop another one, and they drop below probably 15. But, I mean, this is still a team that can, like, climb their way back into probably, like, a two seed, maybe maybe even a one seed um, after all this is said and done because they could just run through the the rest of the Big 12 with no problem. K-State's playing insane. They're ranked fifth in the country right now. Um, two losses on the season for K-State. I mean, this is a dream year for them. Now, do I think K-State, there's a, there's a lot of talk about Kansas State. Are they good enough to go win a national championship? That, that's been the story with them. And they lost last night to uh, to Iowa State. But the, the big talk is like, is, is Kansas State got enough? Do they have enough legs in them to go and win uh, the whole thing? Because now we're getting to the point, you know, where we're like six, uh, five, six weeks out from Selection Sunday. People are starting to put futures in. It's like, oh, who can, who can have a chance at win it? Where can I get it with the odds? Most people say no, they can't go win it. I would argue they definitely can. Um, that would that would be they are definitely a team that I think can go do it. Uh, after a sad, sad story with Keontae Johnson at Florida collapsing on the floor two years ago, he's came out and played electric for them this year. I think Marquise Noel is the best guard in college basketball. He's a senior, New York City, he, like King of New York. You know the nickname, everything from Harlem. Uh, he's he's the best guard in the country, in my opinion. Maybe you can put like. Keontae George from uh, Baylor up there with them. Maybe you could put Grady Dick up there with them. I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot of different ways you could go with that best best guard in the country debate. I I do uh, personally think that the best guard of the state comes out of Kansas State and Marquise Noel. Um, that's my opinion. When you have guard play like that and a guy that can just take over a game, I think you're always in contention to win a national championship. Um, defensively, yeah, they scare me a little bit. Offensive production's usually not a problem. It was against Iowa State, I guess, a little bit last night. But Iowa State's one of the best defensive teams in the country. Uh, that's been Ohio State's or Iowa State's identity the past couple of years, and it's also it's getting Hilton. The Hilton magic is a real thing. Hilton's one of the hardest places to go play in college basketball. You should always be scared if you're going there because you're just you don't know what you're gonna get. Um, you're going to get a good team. You know that you're going to get a well-coached team by TJ Altselberger, but it's, it's an electric factory in there. You saw it when they went and beat Texas. Uh, you saw it now they go and they took down Kansas state at home. Uh, Iowa state on the road, obviously a little bit worse. They, they don't play well or as well in those rougher environments, but at home, uh, you get a scary, scary Kansas team or a scary Iowa state team. Jumping back on Kansas for just one second. Uh, Odd to have a non-conference matchup this late into the year, but they do play Kentucky this weekend. That game is 
absurdly important for both schools. If Kentucky doesn't win, I I honestly think they're dead. Um, this is as low as you're gonna get Kansas. They're not gonna get worse than they've been playing lately. You you if you're Kentucky, you have to go win that game. Bracketology right now, I believe, has Kentucky as a 12 seed, which uh, by Kentucky's standards, obviously, anytime you're not like a top three seed in March Madness is an absolute failure of a year. I would say that this is getting like borderline failure of a year. For, yeah, I mean, they're they're in the first four in, according to Joe Lenardi, or last four in, excuse me. So an absolute debacle by Kentucky. We'll see what happens coaching-wise came out of there. We've talked about that the past couple weeks. We don't have to go rehash all of that. But, yeah, I mean, this it's extremely important for both teams. Kentucky, obviously, the SEC is very, very good. There's two teams that are um, one seeds based off of Lenardi's rankings um, in Tennessee and Alabama, which, yeah, those, those probably are a couple of the top teams in the country. Uh, the other team hanging out around the top is Purdue. I don't know. They Purdue's a good team. I'm not going to say they're not. Zach Eady's very good. He's huge. He's a monster. I do think that they're going to struggle tomorrow night going uh, – to Ann Arbor to play Michigan. He's going to play Hunter Dickinson, who's a really good big man. Uh, and then if uh, Jed Howard can have another night, like he had just a couple nights or whatever it was a week ago, where he just doesn't miss a three, then it's going to be trouble for uh, for Purdue. Matt Painter's a very good head coach. I think he's a top 10 head coach in the country. You know, like, obviously you talk about, like, the Bill Self's, John Calipari's, maybe even Sean Miller up ahead of him. I think Ed Cooley is a better coach than him. I think Kelvin Sampson's a better coach than him, but uh, he's a great coach, a great, great coach, Matt Painter. But can he lead a team to the national championship? And can you lead a team that plays big 10 branded basketball, to the national championship at this point? I really don't think so. It's so post dominant and teams that just had to play through their post. They don't, it doesn't go well in March. Like you try and look back who, who was the most like recent team to win a national championship that a big man was like their best player far and away? I think you have to like, you have to travel quite a ways back. I, I'm trying to rack my brain right now. Like maybe, maybe Anthony Davis in uh, 2012, maybe you say like Jaleel Okafor was like the best player on that Duke team in 2015. And obviously Carl Anthony Towns was insane that year that Duke won it. And like he led them to undefeated or whatever, but it doesn't happen like these teams that they, they have someone, they got guard play or they got a small forward. Like the guy that plays the th one through three, if you're four or five is your best player. It's, it's not going to go well. You're not going to like, you're not competing to win national championships. Also produce guards are very young, which lawyer I think is going to be good for years on end. I see him being a four year college player. Like there's really no reason to leave. He, he provides three point shooting, not a ton else. I mean, but they they're young. They're set up for, for good for a good time for a good amount of time, but there's just not a realistic path in my mind. Like Purdue's gonna hit a wall where all of a sudden Zach Eady doesn't pull down 18 boards and have 26 points one night, and they're sitting there looking around like, dang. Hopefully, hopefully we can make 16 threes tonight because that's what we're gonna need to win the game. Like that that's where Purdue lies in my mind is if they would have to if they would win the national tournament they'd have to play six perfect games. That's, that's just the fact. They'd have to play six straight perfect games um, with no hiccups to go win it in my mind, and I, I don't know if Purdue can go do that.
let's let's go and get into a little bit though of the wrong and right section. We'll start off with where I was wrong, call myself out right away. I personally thought after Chris Beard left Texas, they would absolutely crumble and fall apart and just have zero shot of being a good college basketball team the rest of the way out. It's just not true. Since Chris Beard's left, they've lost two games. They've lost at K or at home against K-State, which like, I mean, Texas scored 103 points in regulation that night and lost. Yeah, they couldn't guard anybody, but like, what do you what do you do about that? I mean, Kansas State was just hotter than you that night. There's there's not a lot, I mean, that that you can do. They were down 18 at the half, ended up losing by 15 or sorry, 13. Not a lot you're gonna do about that one. And then, as I said earlier, they went and lost at Iowa State, there's so many good teams in the Big 12 that I just thought that they would have fallen off. That Chris Beard mattered too much to this team. Now, do I think Kansas can go in, or sorry, Texas can go win a national championship? Absolutely not. Um, you have to be coached by a really good coach in March to go in the whole thing. Like, that's just a requirement, and and they don't have that. I, I don't believe in their, their interim coach. Maybe, you know, if, if they had some guy that was like middle of the road and had been coaching in the Big 12 for like quite a few years, like I, I don't know, but you, coaching is going to matter come March. Game plan is going to matter. It's one of those teams where they're probably still going to get like a two or three seed depending on how they do the rest of the way out in the Big 12. They could maybe win the Big 12 tournament. I don't know, but uh, yeah, they're, they're, they don't have a shot at winning the national championship in any way, I don't think. I don't think that's exactly a hot take um, with with Chris Beard being gone. Now, Marcus Carr, Timmy Allen, those guys are, they're, they're pulling them up. Tyrese Hunter, you know, they're, they're still playing very well. Um, but they, they, they do struggle. It's a close game every single night and that's nothing against them. I mean, I think that again, uh, that says more about the big 12 than it does them, but that's probably one place where I was wrong is I thought they'd absolutely crumble. They'd be just like plummeting outside the top 25 once Chris Beard left and, those good players have really, really held it together for them and, and credit to Texas for, for being able to keep this thing together. The second place I was wrong. I thought Florida state would be really good. Florida state's terrible. They're not a good basketball team. Uh, I, I, I think they have the potential that again, injuries have been another huge concern from them, but they still just, they have no offensive identity the defense that we thought was going to be absolutely elite is very average for the ACC. There's no home court advantage like there used to be at Florida State where that place would be absolutely rocking when like a Duke, a North Carolina, or a, a Syracuse when they were really good, when they or Virginia, when they come into town. That, that atmosphere isn't there at Florida State anymore. I think that really hurts them because that was a lot of what fueled the fire over there um, at Florida State. And they just don't have it this year. Um, everybody expected to be a rebound year after a really disappointing last year for Florida State, and they're sitting out there with seven wins right now, one of the last teams uh, in the conference, and just no no real identity and, and nowhere to turn. I still think Leonard Hamilton's a good coach. Um, You would have to think with two, like, really, really disappointing years at Florida State, he's maybe, like, starting to sniff the hot seat. You know, he's starting, he's starting to smell the flames that are burning over there. Um, 
I don't know what they'll end up doing. I I'm, I would think he'd be back next year. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't heard anything about what their plans are with that. But I thought Florida State was going to come out and be a top five team uh, in the ACC. And that is just not what has happened in any way. So definitely wrong on the Florida State take. It's a bad basketball team. It's you know you're not you're not going to go 100 for 100 on your takes. Another one that I was wrong on. I thought Arizona was far and away. The best team uh, in the Pac-12, and that's not true. Uh, Amy Hakez, I I can't again can't say his name. Tiger Campbell, again, I, I forgot to mention him. He's one of the best guards in the country right now. When you're talking like, I mean, he can score, but pure facilitator, just like gets that offense running so well, gets everybody involved so quick. Um, I thought with Johnny Uzang leaving that. They, they'd really take a step back. That, that hasn't happened. Um, I think they were just one year like removed from... The expectations came one year too early, I guess is what I should say. Because they were part of that group um, during the COVID tournament that it was part of the first four. You know, they were in the first four and they made this great run all the way to the final four and Jalen Suggs hit that shot to kick him out of the tournament. And the next year they came in and they were bringing basically everybody back and they were like, UCLA is going to be great. They're one of the top teams. They Nobody should have any question. This is a great team in the nation. They had them ranked in the top five to start the year. And last year they just weren't that. They ended up losing in the Sweet 16 in North Carolina. And from what everybody thought was going to happen just didn't turn out for UCLA. And now I think this is really the year where those expectations should have came in. Even with losing Johnny Uzang, um, this is where they're like we're seeing that potential because I didn't think anybody could compete with Arizona at the beginning of this year. And UCLA shown that they could, they just, they just, I mean, they went and played at Arizona just this past week and lost by six. Arizona is a very tough place to play. That's, that's a full on basketball school at this point. Um, created by Sean Miller, really who's at Xavier now, but, um, no air, I was wrong there. It's a two horse race in the Pac-12. Nobody else is close, and I'm, I'm definitely okay with giving out another take about the Pac-12 being not a great conference because it's not. Um, it's it's really a two horse race. Oregon was hurt too much early in the year where they didn't have a chance to build a nice resume in the non-conference, and we're starting to see that that Oregon's just not really it, even with their big win over Arizona. I think UCLA has a chance to win the national championship. I still think that they're, I think they'll probably end up a, either them or Arizona is going to end up a one seed. I think whoever comes out of the PAC 12 tournament is going to be a one seed just based off of pure momentum. As long as it's one of those two teams, I don't see it being anybody else. Um, nobody else in the PAC 12 is very good. in anyway, Cal sucks. Stanford sucks. Oregon state, I guess you could say is okay. Washington state's not very good. Washington's pretty middle of the road. Colorado's, you know, they're whatever. There's there's no, like, real greatness about them. Um, Lenardi has three teams from the Pac-12 projected to get into the tournament. He's also got three teams from the Mountain West projected to get in. So, like, and Mountain West doesn't have as many top-end teams. You know, they don't have, like, teams that are top 10 in the country like uh, the Pac-12 does, but... I thought, I thought it was a one-horse race. I thought Arizona was that much better than UCLA. I was dead wrong about that. Um, UCLA is a great basketball team. They play a fun brand of basketball. If you can stay up late night to go watch those Pac-12 games, 
Um, not everybody in the Pac-12, because like I said, the conference is not very deep. But if you can watch those couple teams in the Pac-12, uh, I'll, I'll say Oregon in there. If you can go watch like Oregon, Arizona, USC, um, UCLA, and you can watch them play, that's that's a fun conference to watch late night basketball. Um, I do think that maybe maybe one or two more teams in in the Pac-12 do deserve to get in than than are like currently looked at at getting in right now. I do think that playing that late night schedule hurts the Pac-12 a lot because people aren't up to watch those games. Um, people that you know are are going to be making the decisions about who gets into the tournament, they aren't watching as much as much Pac-12 basketball as they are watching like ACC basketball. And that that's no fault of them. It's you know games start at ten thirty at night. Not a lot of people are staying up to watch those. Um, but I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. Utah maybe can like make a case for getting in. Um, I think I think the Pac-12 will probably end up being like a four at the at minimum three bid league at maximum five bid league. Um, maybe like Oregon or Arizona State can like just squeak their way in there. But I don't know. We'll see. Utah's got a legit shot. USC's got a legit shot. Um, and then Arizona and UCLA are absolutely in like beyond a shadow of a doubt. But uh. Yeah, it's a, it, like I said, again, a fun conference to watch too late at night. I was wrong. Arizona's not far away in the best team in that conference. Uh, UCLA is right up there with them, if not just like a hair better than them. Uh, so, and then the last take I'll give out that I was absolutely dead wrong on. I really, truly at, at one time did think that the Big Ten was the deepest conference in college basketball. Early in the year, they were playing great. I mean, Maryland was good early in the year. Ohio State was playing good early in the year. Illinois was at least a halfway consistent team early in the year, which they've just completely gone away from being. Um, it's, it's disappointing to see. Right now, you go look at the Big Ten. They're gonna they're they're gonna get some a decent amount of teams in the tournament. Um, so there's still they ten teams from the Big Ten is what Lenardi has getting in the tournament. So it's still a deep conference. There's gonna be a lot of teams that get in. There's just no top end that you have Purdue who's like, yeah, obviously the number one team in the nation, but outside of that, there's like no, there's no top end. I don't think Michigan deserves to get in, even though they're third in the big 10, they, they, they don't have wins. Michigan's got zero like quality wins. Northwestern's way better than we thought. Um, they, I think they have a shot at getting in. Rutgers is going to get in. Illinois will get in. Michigan state will get in. Indiana will get in. You know, Iowa will probably get in. Penn state's a good team. Um, but then you start looking like maybe Maryland gets in. They're they're a team that's like not playing well. Three and five in conference play, and and in the Big Ten, it's no secret whoever plays at home wins the game. It's how it is every single night. Um, Penn State's, I think, a pretty decent college basketball team. One of the best players in the country over on their team, and they went and got throttled at the rack last night against Rutgers, lost by twenty points. Um, I don't know. I was definitely wrong about the Big Ten being like. The deepest, because when when I say deep, I'm talking you have the top end talent, and then you just have the other teams that it's like they're good enough to get in. It's obviously the Big Twelve now. Big Twelve is the deepest conference. Um, there's only ten teams there. I think eight. There could be nine Big Twelve teams get in the tournament. It's 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 a possibility at this point, mostly because you don't know who's going to win the Big Twelve tournament. West Virginia and Oklahoma are two of the worst teams in the Big Twelve. Texas Tech, they could win the Big Twelve tournament. It's not unrealistic. They're good enough basketball teams to go in and beat all of those teams. Will they? Probably not. 
TCU or Kansas State, or I mean, honestly, probably Kansas. Kansas will probably come out of the Big 12 tournament as a champion. Like that's that's the way it is. But uh, I was dead wrong about the Big Ten. There, when I when I made that statement, that's when we thought Indiana was like a top 12 team. We thought Illinois was just this offensive juggernaut that played really well together. They play horrible defense on a nightly basis. On a nightly basis, Illinois plays very bad defense. We thought Penn State, they were ranked for a little bit. We thought they were good. Iowa is an atrocious, atrocious, atrocious defensive team. Getting a little bit better, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe I, I honestly think outside of Purdue, maybe one other Big Ten team makes the Elite Eight, and I honestly don't even think they get there. Um, it's been disappointing this year. Ohio State has absolutely fallen off a bridge that no one thought they lost to Nebraska and Minnesota. That's just not a good look. They lost to Minnesota at Ohio State. Ohio State was at home, and they lost that game. That was a must-win game and didn't win it. I don't think they have any chance of getting into the tournament anymore. Dead wrong there. Uh, the Big Ten's not very good. Now, here's a little bit more. I, j- I just went through all, this, all the points I was wrong about. I'm sure there's more. Um, I, like, again, yeah, I thought Creighton was a national title contender. They're not. Probably, maybe, maybe they can go do it. Going to need more from coach McDermott in the tournament to see that his tournament success has been very, very minimal. Um, but let's move on to a little bit more fun part, at least for me, where I was right, where I was right here. Gonzaga is not good. You can tell yourself whatever you want. Gonzaga is not good. They play close in the WCC every single night. And the WCC is not a bad conference. There's a case for the WCC to be a three-bid league if San Fran can turn it around just a little bit more or, like, someone else can just, like, pop up and be, like, just a, a decent team. There's a case for for uh, the WCC to be a three-bid league. I think it's a guaranteed two-bid league with Gonzaga and St. Mary's. Um, Like, those two teams, I think, are in undoubtedly n- no matter what. Um, maybe Maybe, like, Santa Clara... They beat they beat Gonzaga one time and they beat uh St. Mary's one time and they can start making a case, but go look through Gonzaga's scores. You have to look at the scores of these games. They just they just gave up 90 points to Pacific the other night. They lost to LMU. LMU's a trash basketball team. They blew out Portland. We thought Portland was good earlier in the year. They're they're not. They're not that good. They they showed flashes. They only beat Santa Clara by five, where they easily could have lost that game. They beat San Fran by two, where they easily could have lost that game. We're talking about all these close games that Gonzaga's had, and they haven't played St. Mary's yet this year. They have two more games against St. Mary's in a two-week span, or two-and-a-half-week span. And they got to go at LMU. They got to go at Pepperdine yet. They got to go at at St. Mary's. They got to play Santa Clara. They got to play San Fran again. This This is a Mark Few coach team that just has some major problems when Julian Strother is like he's I mean obviously the Drew Timmy's the best player on Gonzaga he's he's the king of the castle over there but when Julian Strother doesn't have a good game everybody just like crumbles into themselves looks over at Drew Timmy and just says hey man please score 25 points and have 12 rebounds tonight otherwise we're gonna lose to a trash team in the WCC like that's what happens on a on a nightly basis for Gonzaga and Julian Strother has been wildly inconsistent. He's, he's not a great player. He doesn't uh, have in him 
what we thought he did at the beginning of the year to be like that, that other high scoring guard that Gonzaga needs and, and has had in past years. Like they usually have two guys. They got one guy this year. They got Drew Timmy. There's no Rui Hachimura anymore. There's no Corey Kispert anymore. These guys are gone. They, they're out of here. There, there's no second fiddle anymore. And, and Mark Few is just not sure what to do in any way. At least the way it seems. He's just sitting there twiddling his thumbs like, hey man, hopefully we're kind of good. Hopefully we can make another sweet 16 and then lose in embarrassing fashion as a two seed. Like that's that's what's gonna happen to Gonzaga. You're definitely right there. Another thing I was definitely right on. It already hit. I begged and begged and begged early in the year, take Iowa State conference win total over. Four and a half for a TJ Oxberger coach team that plays their game in Hilt that at Hilton in Ames, Iowa. That team, that team's gonna win some games in conference, even in a big, a really good Big Twelve, and they have. Gabe Kalsher is a great player for them. They they've they've softened the blow and took it of Tyrese Hunter leaving for another Big Twelve school, another team in conference. They've just eaten that up with Caleb Grill, with uh, Gabe Kalsher, with Tamin Lipsy. These guys have came in, done what they needed to do. They're not going to outscore you a lot of nights. They're not going to put up 80 on you. But, geez, their their defense is so good. They just force turnovers and force mental errors, and they get you out of your game so well. You want to play up and down, fast-paced game, which is what a lot of the Big 12 teams want to do. They want to do the opposite. They want to walk it up the court. They want you to get the ball across the half-court line with 22 seconds left on the shot clock. And Altsberger has has came into this Big Twelve, a league that's a very that's a very hard league to coach in because there's a lot of really good coaches in the Big Twelve, and he's done it masterfully. Masterfully. He's out coached Jamie Dixon. He's out coached Bobby Huggins. He's out coached basically everybody that he's played against this year. More needs to be said about what T.J. Altsberger has done over at Iowa State. When these names start popping up, these bigger coaching jobs, I think maybe not this year, but next year and a couple years after, Altsberger's name is going to start getting brought up. You know, like if if Sean Miller leaves for Xavier, or leaves Xavier for Kentucky, which I think is a possibility, like how much of a bag does Xavier want to throw at Altsberger? I think there's a, there's a possibility that that happens. Um, I don't think he'll leave in conference. Like he's not going to leave for a Texas or someone like that. Um, a job that's obviously open right now, but there's there's a possibility that that he leaves and and can cause some some real havoc. But Iowa State undoubtedly a team you need to watch out for. They've already hit their conference win total, and we we're halfway through the conference season. They got half their conference games left, and they've hit it. You you should have known. I tried to tell you. I tried, I tried, I tried. Take that over on the win total. And it was as easy as it comes. As absolute easy as it comes. Another thing that I think I was right on, um, yeah, they just had a bad loss this past weekend. A lot of people like didn't really see that it happened because NFL playoffs were going on while the game happened. Uh, Houston lost to Temple. That's 
not huge in my mind. They were probably going to drop a game in conference, but I'll take that. What I was right on is Kelvin Sampson's one of the best head coaches in the country. Um, Marcus Sasser is one of the best players in the country. They play like that every single night. They're, they, they don't let you control their pace. One game against Temple is not going to kill them. They're going to be a one seed. They're going to be a problem in, in the NCAA tournament. I believe most books still have them as the favorite to win. And I get that that's not a crazy take that a team that was ranked in the top three to start the year is, is going to be really good. But I think a lot of people just thought with the schedule that they had and and with you know Memphis being actually decent this year um, and some other teams in their conference having at least a little bit of life that that they would fall off and maybe not be great, and that's just not the case. Um, they've been really good, and they're going to continue to be really good. They're they're going to continue to just run through their conference as as they have pretty much all year. Um, and 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 it's exciting to see. But Houston at the top, definitely another place I was right. I'll go through one more. Got to give a shout out to myself for this one. This was the biggest prediction. A lot of teams, a lot of people had these guys being bad. I said no. There's something about them. Clemson, maybe not a great team. Maybe they don't get out of the first weekend of March. Very possible that they don't. But when you play in a conference like the ACC, you can't argue with 8-1 and one in the conference so far. They've played extraordinarily well. And their conference wins aren't against, like, nobody. I know that they haven't played all of the top teams in the conference. I mean, that's, that's fairly evident. But they have beaten NC State. They've beaten Duke. They've beaten Virginia Tech, who's, I, I think, better than, than most people think. They gave Pitt their first conference loss. Now, now they're going to get into the part of their schedule where it looks a little hairy. Because down at the end of the year, you got Miami. You got to go to North Carolina. You got NC State again. You got to go to Virginia. You got Syracuse, who Syracuse playing well recently. They gave that game away against North Carolina last night, but... Everything in Clemson's schedule, especially their conference schedule, points to them having a really, really good shot to, to be like a 4-5 a seed in the tournament because there's just not a lot of places for them to lose. Like When you go through and look at their schedule, they only have to play Duke once. They only got to play Virginia once. They only got to play Miami, I believe, once. They only got to play North Carolina once. I think they got to play NC State twice, but Syracuse one time. I mean, a lot of the top teams in this conference, they only got to play one time. I mean, that's just how the conference schedule worked out for them this year. It worked out really well at the teams that they play like two times are Virginia tech and, um, NC state. I believe they play Louisville twice. Like, I mean, they, 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 they drew a good card. They play Florida state twice. I, what else can you say? They drew a good card. They drew a good hand. It's a really good year for Clemson basketball. The rest of the year is going to be really fun out for them. They're probably going to be. They're not probably going to have a buy in the ACC tournament. Be one of the first four teams and have that double buy um, when it comes to the ACC tournament. So they're already going to be in the quarterfinals when they show up. When they show up at the tournament, so um, really promising there. A little bit shorter today. We're going to end it. Just wanted to go over some news. A little bit of where I was right, where I was wrong. Uh, make sure you check out March is the start Instagram and Twitter for the college basketball plays every day. March is coming. It's going to be fun. Uh, hoping to make. A lot, a lot of money gambling at that time. Hope to make everybody a lot of money gambling that time because we're going to be locked in. Go through the data, go through the picks that week. It's one of the most fun parts about college basketball is it's one of the most fun sports to gamble. Look at look at uh, UNC and Syracuse last night. Line, it was UNC minus four and a half. 
Syracuse with 45 seconds left, up two points. They end up losing by four. Four and a half points to the spread. They end up losing by four, and they foul Seth Trimble from UNC with 0.8 seconds left, down four to send him to the free throw line. If you're a Carolina better, you're, you're licking your chops. If you're a Syracuse better, you just turn the game off and you chalk that one up to a loss. But guess what? He clanks two and you win your bet. College basketball is one of the most fun sports to bet. It's one of the most fun sports to watch. Let's have some fun. March is only 46 days away. We're only 46 days away, excuse me, from Selection Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. We are in a great position here. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.